Welcome to Eat, Capture, Share, the podcast for food bloggers and food photographers who want to earn an income doing what they love. My name is Kimberly. I'm your host. Episode 114. Welcome back, everybody, to the Eat, Capture, Share podcast. My name is Kimberly Espinel. I'm a food photographer, food photography teacher. I'm the author of the Amazon bestselling book, Creative Food Photography, and a creative business mentor for food photographers, food bloggers, and food content creators just like you. And today's podcast episode is fire. It is so good. I just know you're going to absolutely love this conversation. I have a mini announcement, which I also think you'll love before I tell you more about what's going on today, what you can expect. And that announcement is if you're listening to this in real time, you still have the opportunity and the chance to sign up for our free Instagram food photography challenge that's happening this month, June 2023. The doors close Saturday at midnight, British summertime, June 10th, leaving you just a few days to sign up and commit to learning something new about food photography, food styling, to be part of an amazing food photography community online, and also to get into the rhythm of posting a little bit more regularly on your Instagram feed. And as you'll hear today with my conversation with Pauline, that's really important to find any kind of success online, some semblance of consistency. So again, head to the show notes, join there. We would love to have you. It's the very last challenge I'm doing this year. So be sure to join. Now, if you're listening to this after the fact and June 10th has come and gone, still follow the link. You'll be able to pre-register for the next one. And I always suggest doing it when you're in that frame of mind that, you know, like, I want this, go for it, like sign up, commit so that when the next one comes around, you don't have to do anything. Everything is there. You are ready to rumble. You're signed up. You're ready to go. So again, head to the show notes and sign up there. Right. So about today's podcast episode, I'm speaking to Pauline Abram from Shine Talent Management. And first of all, I adore her. I think she's amazing. She's full of fire. She's full of energy. But most importantly for you, she really, really knows social media. She knows marketing. She knows what brands are looking for because she is completely enmeshed in the influencer marketing and brand collaboration world. Like there's nothing about working with brands on social media that Pauline doesn't understand, know, has experienced, has lived, all the rest of it. She's incredible. And I love to rewind a little bit because especially for those of you who have been with me for a long time, who are on my mailing list, you know that I started really the very first paid gig I had was as an influencer. When I started, that word didn't really exist and the word or the term influencer marketing wasn't really a thing. And I liked it, but I didn't love it. I think because especially here in the UK where I'm based, you know, at the time that I was doing influencer marketing, it was still a super new industry. And I think a lot of brands didn't really understand what we did our influence, our impact. They also had sometimes unrealistic expectations that if they paid us X, we would convert, you know, return on investment would be 10 times. Whereas, you know, there's so many different nuances to influencer marketing. And most importantly, I think when I did it, brands really didn't understand that we know our audience, that we know what works, that we know what won't work. And, you know, they were really dead set on their brand and product being, say, on the first photo in a carousel, for example, or that we really kind of hammer down this kind of marketing message, not in our voice, which just didn't resonate. And also as a creator, didn't feel good. Even though I had some brand collaborations, which I absolutely loved and have worked with on and off for years, overall, it wasn't for me. And I dove much, much deeper into food photography and working with food photography clients became my bread and butter. And I would say a good 50 to 60% of my revenue came from being a food photographer and creating content for brands for them to use 
in their own right, in their own name, so to say. And I love that. But then when things kind of unfolded with my dad, the end of 2020. Two and I sat down, had a really good look at where I wanted to take my career, where I wanted to take my life, what I wanted. I had a change of heart, I guess you could say. And I've spoken about this in the newsletter where I just realized that me going out and creating content for brands as a food photographer took me away from some of the other things that I really wanted to focus on. One of them being my health and creating a schedule that really fit around my life and health goals and family goals. And the second goal is really about reestablishing my personal brand, which I just didn't spend a lot of time on anymore. And I just knew deep down that was not a smart idea and not a sustainable business model. And so when I set my goals for 2023, that one of the top ones was working with brands again as an influencer and stepping a little bit away from my work as a food photographer. And, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways. When I set that intention, I set that goal. Pauline, I would say maybe January, maybe January, February, I don't remember, but very early on in the year, I got an email from Pauline inviting me to be part of the Shine Management or Shine Talent Group and for them to represent me. And for me, it was like a hard yes. (laughs) I just loved her. I loved the idea of trying something new and stepping into the influencer marketing industry now with representation, whereas before I've always done everything on my own. And like we just hit it off. We just clicked. I just love everything Shine stands for. And you know, everything I have learned working with them between February and now has just made me a much better creator, has made me a much better creative business owner. It's been invaluable. And I wanted to bring that to you today on the podcast. So that is kind of the preamble to all of this. Pauline is one of the senior talent managers in Shine. And what I'll do is I'll definitely link to Shine so you can check them out and also to Pauline in the show notes. But I think She has so much to say about influencer marketing, about how to get noticed by brands, how to negotiate, like all the things. I want to hand over the mic to her, so to say, and uh, let her guide you and teach you and share all her wisdom and knowledge with you. So on that note, I hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Pauline, I love doing the podcast, not just because I love sharing helpful and valuable content with my audience, but also because it's an opportunity for me to chat with people who I find interesting and who I want to learn more about. And I'm really looking forward to our chat from that perspective, like just, you know, really, because you're so, so knowledgeable about all things influencer marketing and marketing in general. So of course, I know who you are and I'm super excited, but there may be people tuning in who are like, who's Pauline? Why is Kimberly getting so so excited? So please, please, please introduce yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, thanks so much for having me. This is really exciting. It's actually my first podcast ever. I don't know if I told you that. So I'm honestly just really thrilled to be here. But yeah, I'm Pauline. I'm a senior talent manager at Shine Talent Group, which is a global talent management and influencer relations agency. We have offices in London, LA, and Toronto, and we specialize in social media content creators. Can you share a little bit about how you got started in the industry and how long you've been with Shine and also your role there, like what that entails and and what that looks like. Yeah, in terms of my background, before Shine, I was actually working in public relations and PR. So pretty much the flip side of what I do now. Mm -hmm. I was bouncing around between different PR agencies, gained a lot of valuable experience and insight into how this industry works. Yeah, I started my career about six years ago. And at the time, influencer marketing was like very, very new and to be honest it's it's still evolving to this day Mm -hmm. i like to call it the wild wild west of marketing because new updates are constantly happening new platforms emerging it's just it's really hard to keep up so you know when i first started my career in pr i found the industry so fascinating Mm -hmm. and as someone who kind of grew up you know watching youtube and you know, downloading Facebook and, and Instagram the minute it came out, I, I was really intrigued by the social media industry. So after years of working 
in the PR space and running influencer campaigns for my clients, I decided that I thought I would give talent management a chance and I have never looked back. Mm -hmm. It was the best decision I've made. So I started at Shine a little over three years ago now. And I've yeah, been here ever since. Absolutely love it. In terms of like what my day to day looks like, you know, what, what I love about PR and influencer marketing is that, you know, no two days are the same. Everything changes depending on like the types of campaigns and programs that you work on. But what I do, I do manage social media content creators. I do manage a roster of about eight to 10 talent at a time. And what I specialize in as a senior talent manager is providing strategy on how to elevate and grow creators brands. So you go into strategy, anything else that that you do in your role? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, in terms of like my day to day, I do focus more on strategy as a senior talent manager, which is really great because I feel like a lot of content creators have so many ideas Mm -hmm. and want to do it all, but they really need someone to help support in developing a plan on how to execute Mm -hmm. that and kind of like that insight that we have in the industry that can like help you, you know, execute those plans. So that's kind of what, what I do. And then also just the nitty gritty day to day, whether that is negotiations, pitching talent to brands, networking on talent's behalf. We we kind of do it, we do it all where, you know, your manager, but then we're also your cheerleader. So Mm -hmm. we kind of wear many hats. And at Shine, you know, we do pride ourselves on being, you know, a full service talent management agency. We're not transactional at all, like, you know, other agencies may be, you know, we do work with talent to make sure that they feel supported, that they're getting feedback, that they're working towards our shared goals. We we don't want to just send over a deal and be done with it. We actually care about, you know, our creator success and, and growing their platforms. So that's kind of like what I do um, in terms of like my day to day work. You know, I think it's so interesting because people who are not into content creation or haven't worked with brands or whatever, I think a lot of the times I think we quote unquote, just post something on Instagram or just post something on TikTok and that's it. But actually you used a word that I really love. Like there is strategy in everything that content creators do, or there needs to be strategy because there's so much content out there. So yours has to stand out. And I think strategy therefore needs to form part of that, right? Yeah. And, you know, with that, I'd love to get a better understanding of what is working. I appreciate that things are constantly changing, or maybe there isn't just one way or one strategy. But is there anything that you can share with the listeners who are maybe struggling to really make headway with their content or to stand out or to attract brands like anything that you've noticed that really, really works? Yeah, so I mean, I think with this industry really constantly shifting, Mm. I feel like people have like a very common misconception of what it means to be like successful and how to do well within the influencer industry. And Back in the day, you know, when creators were first popping up, people thought, oh, I have to have a massive following and then I can be a successful creator. But the reality is like these days, what I would say is just show up as you are. Just be authentic, be raw, be real. Like no one about the aesthetic as much as they used to. Mm -hmm. I feel like the way that the industry has evolved, you know, back, I want to say even like two, three years ago, the Instagram photo moment was the biggest thing, Mm. you know, brands would do activations and want to have that Instagram moment. But now it's it's not about the Instagram moment, but it's about the experience and what mm. what you're putting out there. Is it valuable to other people? So yeah. what I mean by that is like, you know, being raw and real, like, are you providing a safe space for people? Are you, you know, providing tips and tricks for something that creators that other people are looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of like being a creator and trying to be successful and 
what's working. It's just being yourself. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite mm-hmm. simple. And it's, it's, a, it's simple in theory, I will say, and, but mm-hmm. it, it is really hard for people to do, right? People don't want to be judged and, and criticized for who they are. But yeah. you'll notice that the most successful creators these days are people who are just unapologetically themselves. Yeah. And it shows, it really does show and people love to see it. And that's what brands want to see too. So if yeah. you're, you're just starting out and you're like, well, this is not working. Maybe rethink of like what you're putting out there. Like, is it, is it, true to you. If it's not, then maybe that's the problem. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast are photographers or food bloggers and traditionally our best place has been behind the camera. You know, that's really where we feel in our element. And what we wanted to do was showcase our work and showcase our photography skills and our food styling skills. And I think, and this is what I'm taking away from what you're saying and also what I'm experiencing, you know, for myself is that that is no longer enough or that is not where the pulse is. It is that plus the person behind the camera and those two things coming together. Did I get that right? Yeah, I would, I would say that's accurate. And I I do Mm want to say, you know, being curated and aspirational I'm not saying it doesn't work anymore. There's Mm -hmm. always people who want that aspirational content. So, you know, photographers, obviously, you guys are very talented in in doing that. But with the shift, the reality is, is people Mm -hmm. want something easy, something relatable, digestible. And it's one of those things where we have to adapt to what people are, are looking for. So There is a time and place for sure for aspirational content, um, for curated, beautiful photography and videography. But people also want that very raw, like Mm -hmm. easy to do, like they creators and and followers, they want to be able to see a piece of content and say like, oh, I can do this too and and feel inspired to do something similar versus being like, oh, well, I need this this gadget, this equipment to accomplish that. So yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I I hate to say it, but I feel like if there's, you know, if we're not able to adapt, like as a creator, if you're not able to adapt, you will be kind of left behind because the space is moving very quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. I love I love that you're telling it as it is. So that's really, really helpful. <laughs> so I think for anyone who's tuning in, like this really feels like the moment to be brave and step in front of the camera, for example. But also, and this is actually interesting because I have noticed this, you know, even since day dot on my my blog, when I have a recipe that is delicious and whatever, but it has to be achievable. Like if people need to get 25 ingredients to make the recipe, they're not never going to make it. Whereas if I create something that has like five or six or do it in 10 minutes or one pop wonder or, you know, those kind of recipes, because people are like, oh, I can do that. You know, that kind of aspirational yet achievable that's always been successful. And it's like now it's successful, but like on steroids kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I want to say, you know, as a consumer myself, when I go on to any social media page for a recipe, I look for easy like that is my main thing. If yeah. you can give me a recipe that is, you know, max five ingredients, fabulous. Mm-hmm. I am going to make that yeah. that dish. But yeah, like the minute that there's, you know, a billion spices, all that that needs to be included, you know, different a variety of pots and pans. It's it's a lot of work, and I mm-hmm. I feel like just as a society, we just move so quickly these days there's no time, like no one has the time to create such an elaborate dish. So I think it's really important that what you put out there, especially if you're trying to encourage people to cook at home, if that's kind of like your angle, that's what you want people to do. It's like, do something that people can easily accomplish and not feel discouraged. Because I I do know from personal experience, if I followed a recipe and it's quite complicated if I don't get it right like I don't feel great I feel like I can't accomplish anything and you know that's just me but I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way so you know being able to do something to create something that people can feel really good about I think is is important now I did on Instagram stories, I put up a a question box and I was like, I'm speaking to Shine this week. Have you got any questions? And the number one question was, how do you pick your talent and how important is follower count within that? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. And I will say there is tons of criteria we look at. So it's really not just one thing. Mm-hmm. So I'll be honest, you know, follower count is important because we want to ensure you have a following. Yeah. But what's actually more important is having an engaged community. So what I mean by that, you know, how much engagement do you get on your posts? Do your followers interact with your stories? Do they click on links that you share with them? Do they look up to you for recommendations? You know, with with that being said, a following is really important. But I would personally rather work with a creator who has 20k followers and a really high engagement of 5% over a creator who has over 50, 100, 500 thousand followers but then has less than one percent engagement and this is because it it just really shows the quality of your community and that's Mm -hmm. not something that's easy to build there's a lot of time and effort that goes into that but with follower counts you know years ago when influencer marketing really took off people were buying followers and it's quite obvious when they do because you'll see that engagement isn't there so that's just something for aspiring creators to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. But there's tons of other stats that, you know, we look at in addition to engagement, one of them being link clicks, as well as audience demographics. So audience demographics, they're super important, because, for example, you know, if a UK brand wants to promote a product to UK based consumers, but a creator has a very, very small audience based in the UK, it wouldn't make sense for the brand to work with them, right? So it's a number that is actually really important um, when we look at talent to bring onto the roster, um, because we do know that this is important for brands. And then another thing that we look at, as I mentioned, is link clicks. So ROI, return on investment, it's super important to brands, and it can be really hard to track ROI at times. So link clicks is actually a really great stat to share because it doesn't necessarily show, like show true conversion to sales, but it does show someone's intent to buy the product, which is still yes. a very great, very valuable um, information to have. So, I mean, there's tons of other criteria as well, but those are some mm-hmm. really big key things that we look at. So not just follower account. And then again, thinking about the people are tuning in, a lot of them are food bloggers and food content creators. How important is it to have like a particular niche within that or to have really good recipe development skills or anything else that anybody tuning in who's kind of just starting or who hasn't grown the community yet that they're looking for? Anything that you can suggest they focus on as they build their brand and they build their community? Yeah, so I I think, you know, obviously, everything's a case by case basis. And that's where, you know, management is comes in handy, because we're able to provide strategy based on Mm -hmm. your goals and your needs. But, you know, in general, I think with food, I usually tell creators, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself. There are so many avenues that you can take when it comes to to working in the food space. So whether that Mm -hmm. is being someone who does, you know, user generated content for brands, that could be one thing that you do, or whether that is creating easy to follow recipes for people, you know, or if you're vegan, or you're doing keto, like following that and highlighting recipes specifically tailored for people with dietary needs, you know, there's, there's a lot of different avenues that you can take. But if you just love food overall, and you just want to share your love for food, Mm -hmm. I think that having a very diverse range of content is really great because mm-hmm. there will be very many opportunities for brands to to partner with you and to collaborate. So for example, if you're someone who loves to cook at home, but then also enjoys going out to eat and, you know, finding the best spots, whether in London or, or anywhere else in your city, you know, being able to show some easy recipes that you can do at home, but then also give your followers, you know, recommendations of where they should dine. Mm. I think that that's also a really great way to incorporate other aspects into your content. So like I said, it it really does depend on what your needs are and what you're trying to achieve. But I do think that diversifying content Mm. is, Mm -hmm. is always really great. It's never a bad idea. And I think In general, you know, obviously, food is like a huge topic here. But if you have many interests, and you want to kind of break into more of like the influencer space, not Mm -hmm. just, you know, 
creating that beautiful aesthetic food content, but you want to break into the influencer space, something to consider is incorporating other key pillars and mm-hmm. trying to trying to determine what those key pillars are. So, you know, for myself, I'm a huge foodie. Everyone who knows me knows that I love food. <laughs> but then I also love travel and I yeah. also love fashion and being able to incorporate different pillars of yourself into your content will you know, really diversify and bring different people into your community. So like I said, it does really vary. But that's Mm -hmm. kind of what I would say is just really try to nail down first what you want your community to look like and what you're hoping to, you know, provide to them. um, And what you want what you want your followers to experience and think about when they after they go on your page, like what what do they get out of it? Right? I think that's Mm -hmm. really, really important. I love that. And I have to say, when we met earlier in the year and we had this a very similar conversation about niching down, and I really felt like, you know, when you feel something and then somebody says something, it's almost like they're giving you permission to trust your instinct. And when we met, you said exactly that, to not let yourself be niched down unless you want that, unless you know that for the rest of your life, all you want to do is share recipes, you know, like people feel that. That's awesome. But I knew my gut I want to do that and I want to do 700 and other, you know, things that I want to share as well. And I think just having that conversation, yeah, really gave me that permission slip, so to say, to do that. And what's really interesting is my recipe reels do okay, but it's all the other stuff around it that does particularly well. And it's what I find the most fun to share. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I think if you share something that comes from the heart that you're really excited about, the right people will find you and they will resonate with that content. Even if it feels a little bit scary because you're stepping into something new, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And you really nailed on the head there where it's like, if you love what you're creating, it shows. And I think that's what I mean by like, don't pigeonhole yourself Mm -hmm. because the amount of creators I've worked with over the years, I've worked with many different people and in different verticals, whether it's parenting, fashion, Mm -hmm. general lifestyle, food. And it's, it's really hard when you pigeonhole yourself, because then you feel like you can't explore Mm -hmm. different interests. And as people as humans, we're very complex individuals that have many interests. And it's really difficult when you feel like you can't show those other parts of yourself when you're when you've been known to do like this specific type of content. So, you know, 100% like be brave enough to, to explore those different areas, because at the end of the day, you know, there will be people who resonate with you and there will be people who appreciate seeing other sides of you as well. So don't be discouraged if, you know, you start exploring a fashion side of you or the traveling side and no one's seeing your reels or your your TikToks. It, it happens. It yeah. happens. And I think what's important is just consistency. Like yeah. if you want to share that, be consistent with it. Don't share it once in a while and then stop because you're scared that it didn't get the views. At yeah. the end of the day, I think what's most important is posting for you and then the views will will follow because people will know that you actually love what you're creating and you're not just creating it for the recognition. You're not just creating it for the impressions, for the reach. You're creating it because this is what you want to put out there. So that is something that I think is is really important because I know how how stuck in your head people can be. And <laughs> it's I think you're your own worst enemy that way where you, you stop yourself because you're scared of what other people will think. And I think we just need to, as much as we can, cut that out and just be super authentic to yourself. Yeah. And also, you know, like one of my reels, I think I shared this when we met at the beginning of the year. Like one of my reels was uh, I went to this beautiful vegan restaurant in West London, Knightsbridge. It was so wonderful. The food was amazing. The service was fantastic. I did a reel and it was the very first time I'd ever done that kind of a reel. I love the place and I loved the reel I created. And I honestly didn't care that it wasn't exactly a runaway hit, but it was important for me to share that. And also I know there's one person or two people or whatever, even 4,000 people who saw it and loved it. And if one of them goes to that place and has an amazing experience, 
that's amazing. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't always have to be the runaway hit, you know, like it's fine. I think that's so important. I'd love to know in all the years that you've worked with brands and influencers, what makes for a really good influencer campaign? What are brands looking for except for, you know, the things around reach and ROI and, you know, those kind of things. But in terms of a, from a creative perspective, what are they searching for? Have you heard the news? The free Eat, Capture, Share Instagram food photography challenge is back. This challenge is like no other on Instagram. Get more food photography tips, mood boards, more comments, community and support, a live tutorial on Instagram, and the chance to win a shout out from yours truly. Though everyone is welcome from iPhone photographers to professionals, this challenge was designed for those of you in your very first year or two. So really for the beginner who wants to go next level. All you have to do to register for the challenge is head to the show notes, sign up to the challenge mailing list, and everything will be delivered straight into your inbox. Right, now back to the podcast episode. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think what I love about this industry is that brands have really shifted their mindset as well in terms of what they look for in a campaign. So, you know, back in the day, I want to say ads were, were very much like an ad. Brands would provide a script and you can tell it wasn't natural to the creator. And the briefs were very rigid and there was no really moving away from those. And I think now what makes for a really successful campaign is when talent can really just execute in the way that's authentic to them. And and I say authentic a lot because it is true right now. People get so many ads, mm-hmm. you know, in their face every yeah. day through scrolling that if it is not authentic if it does not sound genuine people are just not gonna engage with it like i think i think you know with with this industry there's such a negative connotation unfortunately now with with influencers and people think that influencers just do it for the money and and the reality is is like these content creators these influencers they actually genuinely like these products but back in the day when these collaborations were very very firm and what they wanted to create it, it did seem disingenuine right mm-hmm. so I think that kind of ruined a lot of people's like perception of the industry mm-hmm. so I think now because you know with the rise of TikTok I, I want to say TikTok really just changed the game overall mm-hmm. but I think you know being able to give creators that creative freedom mm-hmm. to to do what they think will resonate well is what makes a successful campaign. So, you know, not just the stats, but just like overall, like the creative direction that they went to, if it's incorporated in something that they, you know, authentically do, whether, you know, incorporating a product into a trip that they were going to go on, or if it's like a product, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a campaign, but then each talent can, can do something very, very different. Mm-hmm. So whether, you know, someone's incorporating it into like their wedding because it's something that they've loved. Like yeah. these personal touches in these campaigns make a massive difference. And just being able to trust the creators that they work with is crucial to like a successful campaign. Yeah. So I, I think that that's what it is. And, you know, we we always say like stats, Stats are obviously important. It's it's kind of our benchmark. But at the end of the day, what we also look at are, you know, comments, like how many people mm-hmm. are commenting on something saying like, oh, my goodness, I bought this. Oh, thanks for recommending this. This is an amazing product. Like the amount of talent that may not get the reach, the impressions that they wanted, yeah. but they get like hundreds of messages saying, thank you for sharing this, this product with me. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's crazy and and we don't I feel like you don't see that you don't mm-hmm. see that unless you you get those back end like analytics and DMs like you don't really see that right away just by looking up the post so you know that's what makes a campaign successful it's just not just what you see but like the creative direction the personal touches yes. authenticity all that stuff is is super crucial to a campaign success 
two things you said that kind of sparked an idea, and I was sh- so I'm going to think them out loud. So I follow two very different interior design bloggers, content creators, and they both did a campaign with Sonos, and one of them did like a kitchen makeover thing, and she was you know whatever had that in her kitchen, and the other one did a day in the life with that product. And it meant that I could see an ad for the same product twice in one day. Yet, because they were given so much creative freedom, I, as an audience member, wasn't bored. And, you know, I I enjoyed both of their content because they were vastly different versus where we were like five years ago, where, as you say, it was like more much more prescriptive. Whereas now there were two beautiful pieces of content that I could watch again and again. And it's just actually a side note that it's an ad. Obviously, I've remembered what the brand was and what it was, and but they were both just beautiful pieces of content. And then the yeah. second thing is I did a, you know, what I eat in a day real recently. And, you know, there's stuff in there. It wasn't paid. It was just for fun, but stuff in there like brands and things that I really, truly love. And I had people come and like, you know, what do you use and how does it make you feel? And And it was just so wonderful to share these things because they've been life-changing for me. So, you know, I also get the point that you made about the comments and and the sharing and, you know, the authentic sharing. So uh, thank you so much for for that. Yeah, of course. Now, there's another thing you mentioned, and I definitely want to jump on that. I won't let you go without us talking about that. And that is TikTok. And you mentioned how TikTok has really changed the game. Now, just to give you some insights, a lot of the people who tune into this podcast started on Instagram, love Instagram, like that is, as photographers, that was their go-to place. Does everybody need a TikTok account? Why does it matter? What is special about TikTok? please share. Honestly, as someone who works in the industry, I never understood around TikTok until I want to say January of this year. Mm-hmm. And I will say it's because similar to you guys, I'm very much, you know, an Instagram girly. I grew up on the app and I just did not like the fact that there was another app that was honestly just like by Gen Zers. Like it's terrified me if I'm being completely honest. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my goodness, I'm too old for TikTok. And that's what I was saying for years. But I did see the value in it. And I think, you know, now, honestly, I go on TikTok more than I do Instagram. And that genuinely says a lot. And Mm -hmm. I, I want to say, you know, TikTok is a breath of fresh air. That's what I like to see it as I want to say you know especially for creators who started on Instagram which used to be a photo first Mm. platform and now that we've obviously moved away into the more relatable raw people love seeing that video video content right Mm -hmm. so that's why Instagram also is now a video first platform but I think you know with with TikTok, it's such a different beast. I say this all the time. Instagram and TikTok are different beasts. And explain because in theory, (laughs) they should be exactly the same. It's short from video, quick, fast. Like, why are they different? And how are they different? Yeah, I mean, I could talk about this topic for hours. (laughs) Go for Um, it. Go for it, girl. (laughs) I So with Instagram, I feel like because it's been around the block for so many years, Mm -hmm. and it started off as a photo first platform, the whole idea that you have to have an aesthetic and you have to be super curated, Mm -hmm. even though we have moved into a video first platform on that on that space, people still see Instagram as the Instagram, you know, picture perfect place to be like, I think people are still terrified of being their true selves on Instagram. The thing with TikTok is that it is such a young app. I I mean, I think it was musically before, but yeah, TikTok yeah. really, really did emerge during COVID, yeah. which was what, three years ago now. Yeah. So with the, you know, rise of TikTok, which started as a video first platform, which started with a lot of Gen Zers who, you know, have a very different mindset than, you know, millennials, etc. They kind of went into it not really caring what people thought. And I think, That's how people perceive TikTok going into it. It's just like TikTok is so easy to use. No one cares about what you're putting out there. You can just be unapologetically yourself. 
And it's just, it's so real. And with Instagram, even though they're striving to be similar, and yes, in theory, they are, you know, very similar platform, mm-hmm. there is still an association with, with Instagram being a very, you know, picture perfect aesthetic place. And, you know, people don't really love that anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think, you know, if we go into the whole mental health topic, like Instagram, for a really long time, made people feel like they had to be a certain way. And I, I don't think that people loved it. And so with the rise of TikTok, it was such a breath of fresh air, because people didn't care. And people were yeah. just posting. And I think that that was so refreshing for everyone. And, you know, with TikTok too, the potential for growth is amazing. Mm. Like, you know, with with Instagram, it's really hard to grow these days. Like it truly, truly is, especially with, you know, the algorithm, no one really understands it. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard for people to continue posting on Instagram, like it's super, super discouraging for people because, you know, back in the day, someone might have had easily 8000 likes, and now they get maybe a 1000, right? Mm-hmm. Like engagement has plummeted, and it's yeah. super discouraging. So going on to TikTok, where you have that potential to go viral and grow really quickly, it, it gives people and I, I want to say like, it's not great that this does it, but it, it gives people that reassurance that maybe they are doing something right, mm-hmm. that they are contributing 100%. something, right? And yeah. it makes people feel like what they're putting out there is a value. And you know, you might be putting out the exact same content on both yeah. platforms, but the way that it's received on TikTok and the way that it's kind of pushed out, it's very different. So, you know, in terms of TikTok and why it's so important for people who want to take content creation so seriously, is that if you want to grow and if you're like, you know, if you've plateaued on Instagram and you haven't grown in like a year or two, mm-hmm. when you're growing on TikTok, you know, you can, you know, cross promote, right? Like you can let yeah. people know you have an Instagram and you post certain types of content on Instagram only. And you can encourage the followers that you're getting on TikTok to go to their Instagram and help you kind of grow that way. And I feel like TikTok has done, has done such a great job and we've seen it, especially, you know, with shy creators as well, we have like a few creators who saw that they plateaued on Instagram, did not grow for forever. And then they devoting, a, they devoted a lot of time into their TikTok grew mm. really quickly. And now they're starting to see, you know, the fruits of their labor on Instagram and starting to see that platform yeah. grow as well. So yeah. I, I think it's just all about, you know, one adapting and two just really, really leaning into what this landscape social media landscape looks like right now and and the fact is that's what tiktok is it's yeah it's what is hot and happening honestly but i also think there's there's a bigger issue here which you tapped into i'm just going to pull it out if i may is that if we are content creators and influencers we need to be on the pulse of what's happening we need to set trends you know, amplify trends that are already there. Like we need to be part of setting the tone. And so that means being where the party is, if that yeah. makes sense. And exactly. if that is Instagram and TikTok and whatever else, then it's, you know, I guess important for us to, if nothing else, dip our toes in the water and explore and see. So I have a TikTok account. I don't use the platform, I have mm-hmm. to confess. But that's that's more to do just with the fact that I'm on my phone all the time and I'm trying to rein back, right? But what I will say where TikTok has been invaluable is to really get a good sense of what food trends are emerging. Because by the time they get to Instagram, it's almost already like it's last year's news, you know? And I think for me, I, I do want to understand where people's food choices are going and and what's trending and what people like I need to as somebody an expert in my industry if that makes sense I need to understand that and I can only understand that if I am where food trends are set does that make Ab- sense yeah I think absolutely it's just part of our job description doesn't mean I think I hope I have to be scrolling on TikTok for seven hours a day or anything like that but I need to understand the pulse to be able to call myself a credible content creator, influencer, trendsetter, whatever. So that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're totally right. And it is important to keep your finger on the pulse, especially mm. if this is something that you want to focus on, because yeah. 
how how can you be a serious concentrator if you don't yeah. know what what is trending yeah. and i i think you know it's i was the same way like i did not want to go on tiktok mm-hmm. i absolutely refused but now that i've leaned into it i actually You're go on tiktok it. way yeah i enjoy yeah. it so much and i use it now as a search engine and yes. i think i you know i That's think it. There was an article that came out where, you know, TikTok was actually used more than Google, I believe. Yeah. I mean, fact check me. I think that's probably not 100% accurate, but I did hear that. And Yes. Well, I think it was that it's used as a search engine by Gen Zers. So Gen Zers are more likely to go on TikTok and be like, um, healthy food choices or, or what's, what vegetables are in season in spring. They're more likely to go on TikTok to search for that than they would to Google. So I think that is so important. But I also think, again, if anybody's tuning in who's like, I'd love to work with brands. When you work with a brand, like say for recipe development, what you really want to do ultimately is put a recipe forward. A, that's authentic to you, but B, that's also going to give the brand the best reach and the best outcome and the best, you know, results, return on investment when they work with you. So whereas say five years, six, seven years ago, I would have proposed a smoothie bowl or something like that, because that's what everybody wanted and needed. Now I know that recipe X, Y, and Z or ingredients, you know, ABC, that that is trending. So I'm going to put forward those recipes A, showing the brand that I understand what's going on and B, so I can create a campaign that's going to perform as well as possible. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. That definitely makes sense. Now, before we bring the episode to a close, if there's anybody tuning in who's like, oh my God, I need Pauline in my life. I want her to be my talent manager. Do you take applications or do you find people? Like, What is the process? 100%. Like, We are always looking for new talent. And we are constantly in the search for like up and coming creators or, you know, even creators who've been around the block for a while and they want to, you know, elevate their brand and want more strategies. So absolutely, we, you know, we're, we're doing both. We're actively looking, but mm-hmm. you can also reach out to Shine Talent Group. So whether that is, you know, on TikTok and Instagram, our username is Shine Talent Group. And then we also have a website, which is shinetalentgroup.com, where you can also apply. And people can also email me directly. I'm on the website and you'll be able to find my email there. But yeah, you can reach out to me directly as well. If you are UK based, Mm -hmm. I'm more than happy to chat with you and kind of see how we can work together. Amazing. So I'll put all those details in the show notes. And I think you've given some really good pointers in terms of what you're looking for and what you would expect to see on their Instagram. And I would say if you're tuning in and you are not showing your face on your feed yet, or you're not creating reels with regularity, then maybe use the next, I don't know, three to six months to really up your game so that when you apply, you know, you have the best, you know, chance of success in working with Pauline and her team. I have one final question before we bring the call to a close. And that is, what is your most favorite thing to eat? What is your most favorite thing to capture? And what is your most favorite thing to share? Oh my goodness. That is, that is such a <laughs> It's a tough question. one. It's the hardest one. <laughs> I, yeah, 100% the hardest question. Um, so as I mentioned, I am such a foodie that my favorite thing to eat that is actually impossible that is a mean question to ask because it's like how do I pick my favorite (laughs) honestly I think okay if I had to pick something right now I want to say like I'm really into Japanese food so sushi love that in terms of capturing I can give you three things it's full it's full of food picks. So obviously when I'm going out to eat and I eat out very, very often. So Mm -hmm. I'm constantly taking photos and videos of my food. I'm obsessed with French bulldogs. My camera roll is filled with random French bulldogs (laughs) that I've found on the street. So it might sound weird, but that is what I do capture a lot. And then three would just be traveling. I do travel quite often. It's my biggest passion. So just whatever I'm doing while I'm traveling, I capture. And then in terms of sharing, I mean, I try to share whatever I want in my life, but I just share share whatever makes me happy, honestly, Mm -hmm. and whatever I think might help people overall I just I like to advocate for 
kindness and, and mental health and doing what, you know, makes you happy. So just sharing that and hoping it can help somebody. Pauline, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing so much valuable information. Really, really appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I told you this podcast episode was going to be fire and it was fire, right? (laughs) As always, everything and anything mentioned in today's podcast episode is a link to in the show notes, including Shine Talent Group, the Instagram food photography challenge I mentioned, everything. So be sure to head there. Now, also a kind of sneak peek preview. If you really want to delve a little bit deeper into influencer marketing, online marketing, social media marketing, working with brands, and really build and grow your business, that aspect of it, then be sure to also look into joining my Fearless Focus Mastermind in the autumn. I will put a link to the waiting list for that in the show notes too, so that you'll be notified when the doors to that open. I may or may not have somebody from Shine come and speak as a guest speaker inside the mastermind. So yeah, if you enjoy this, but you really want to dig deeper and build this branch of your business and really understand online marketing and creating content that really resonates, then this year's mastermind for sure will be of interest to you. So be sure to join the waiting list because spaces are limited. I think that's it. I'll be back same time, same place in about two weeks time with a solo episode all about my meeting with Meta. So be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out. And um, until then, stay well. Before I leave you, I wanted to say thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I also wanted to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by my Eat, Capture, Share newsletter community, and I'd love for you to join. I will pop the details on how you can join my creative community in the show notes, so do go and check it out. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, it means so much if you can rate, review, and subscribe. All those things will help the podcast to grow and to reach the right audience. And yeah, you'd kind of make my day. All right. See you soon. Take care. Bye.